And now, Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Oh, perfect. Yeah, See, it's, it's perfect. really nice. Yeah. So this is this. You learn the tricks. Learn the tricks in the indie land. Oh, Capri Sun. It's so good. It's been a while. Makes you just feel like you're 11. I miss being 11. Well, Give me some ants and a magnifying glass. Let's play God. <laughs> if you miss being 11, just get a Capri Sun. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McLattery. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome. Episode... I don't know, 30-something. 30-something! Yeah, 30-something. I didn't think we were over 30. We are. Sweet. We are. It's 30... Uh, no, I'm not even going to say it, because I always get it wrong. Speaking it's of over... The October. It's the October 2016. October 2016 episode. Yeah. Speaking of over 30, I don't yeah. know if this is something that happened to you when you became over 30. A gut? Well, yeah, that happened too. <laughs> but I've like been feeling more and more compelled to leave online reviews for products. <laughs> like it's like have to. Let me let me tell them a piece of my mind. I, yeah, exactly. That'll <laughs> fix it. I bought a I bought a shoe rack at Canadian Tire, and yep. I was like, her Caitlin got one and brought it home, and I was like, this shoe rack looks like garbage. So review, you had to. It wouldn't even go together. You left a scathing review. It wouldn't even stand review. on its own. <laughs> so it's just a, it, we just bought pre-wrapped kindling. It's firewood. So that's what oh, I put in the review. Um, uh, anyway, how's your month going? Mine's going horribly. <laughs> uh, that's no good. That's, I mean, it sounds like mine's doing better than yours. <laughs> Kate, Caitlin, was, Caitlin was like laid out last week. Her, yeah, her back, yeah, her back, craziness. her back freaked out, and she passed out on the way to the bathroom. So and then we had to go to the ER, and then she, so she was immobile for a couple of days. Jeez. Got some old age caretaking practice in. <laughs> you're, you're carrying prepared. my wife to the bathroom, <laughs> and uh, so that sucked. And then I got behind on things, and then this week has been seventy percent troubleshooting. Jeez. 15% communication, 15% actual production. It's the worst. Windows 10 update. Oh, this yeah. This is the second time it's happened to me. The You're second time. I know, about... I know we don't, like, trash things on the show, but I can trash Windows, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's okay. That's not going to come back to no, bite me. No, So, it was... I, I woke up, the update had updated, Yeah. and it, my computer would not uh, compute. Oh, jeez. It just wouldn't run apps. No apps, which... Uh, I use I a know. lot, you I know, don't, applications. I don't know why you would want to use that. Kind of what I have a computer to do. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my, that, so that was the virtual reality, my dev machine. Yeah. So it wasn't like my main sound creation one, which is a Mac. Yeah. Um, and support couldn't help me. I have talked to over seven support people, wow. like chat support people. The seventh one was the only one that was able to help me. Yeah. And they helped me by helping me install Windows 7. <laughs> just get a, just abandon ship, yeah. go Nick, back Nick in time. Nick from Slick Entertainment let me have his Windows 7 Ultimate license. Yeah. And I guess that's what I do now. It's just I'm just a cranky Luddite. <laughs> but I can't handle, like, t- uh, losing days to troubleshooting. I'll stick with this stupid I, stable 7. Yeah. Yeah, I've got all the parts to put together a PC that I've cobbled together from people at work's cast-offs, and I haven't done it. And then hearing, like, you talk, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to, like, well, If you can get down. your hands on Windows 7, then I mean. <laughs> yeah. Though then I had Windows 7 troubles as well. Yeah, but of course. with drivers and, like, the Vive and... Yeah, yeah. So that took a whole day uh, to fix. But uh, now it's working, I think. The Vive yeah. is working, and that's all I needed. Yeah. And I just need it to not... Uh, update itself with a noose anymore. Just updates are the Let worst just sometimes. Let me tie this just, update around yeah. my neck and, and hang myself with it. So no fun. <laughs> uh, in, anyway. more, in more fun topics... Sound stuff. Sound stuff. Uh, I went to GameSoundCon. Great. You went on vacation. I went to Japan. Which is awesome. And didn't I went work at all. Well, uh, I, went, I did. we did TGS, but yeah. I... I came back with surprising, with very few recordings. Yep. And I'm trying to convince myself to not feel bad about that. That's all right. Vacation, good. Good. Yeah. Um, so I went to GameSoundCon. 
which was the first time going to GameSound Con. Um, that was cool. It was interesting. It's always good to hang out with a ton of audio people, mm-hmm. which that's what that is, yep. is a ton of audio people. So uh, it was interesting. I, I, uh, I honestly have mixed feelings out of it. I'm mm-hmm. glad I went. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure as a experienced person how much I would have got out of it had I paid full price. Right. Um, I went, uh, Jeremy Lim spoke at it. Right. And he was um, kind enough to give me his extra, he got an extra pass as a speaker. Mm-hmm. So he was kind enough to give me his pass. So. Right. Um, and I, I stayed on somebody's couch, on Karsten's couch. So nice. it's like kind of like just budget tripped the whole thing. Sweet. Um, as an experienced person, I don't, I'm not, and if I had paid a full price, I'm not sure how much I really would have got out of it. I saw a lot of benefit if you're breaking into the industry. Right. The whole beginner track for like how to get into stuff and like the basis of everything looked great. Oh, like, cool. like I, okay. re- I still really think it's a really great spot to go and learn if you're, if you're breaking in. If you want to get into game audio, there's a lot to learn. And there was, like, you know, WISE classes and FMOD classes oh, that's great. as well, showing okay. you that stuff. So, and it was, part of it also was that two of the talks in the sort of pro track were PopCap talks that... I could have gone down to Seattle. I missed the, that talk, but I could have gone down to Seattle and seen it right. there. So that's a so that's a like that's a location specific. Yeah, that's thing, totally Kirk, but. specific to me. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, oh, I, I know all these people and I've seen them. So right. um, and no, that I went to those talks and they were great. Mm-hmm. Um, so the talks were were really good, and you know, it's great hanging around with with all those people. And I think I think it's a superb chance as a breaking in person to network and pick the brains of just so many like good people um so i kind of came away from it with less concrete like i go to go to go to gdc and i always come away with these concrete things of like ah this game did this and i'm totally gonna do that in my game like Mm -hmm. like concrete things to do for my games yeah uh i came away from game sound con with more personal introspective thoughts right about myself my place in the industry and and stuff just like that so it was really good it was i'm super glad i went right so it was just a little different kind of learning yeah so are they like you're just in this triple i space yeah and are you happy I, with that still I, or? I wrote stuff down okay i made notes because i wanted wanted to talk about it but not be a complete idiot <laughs> um so, like, I, it, it made me think about where do I fit in the industry. And mm-hmm. not only, like, like I'm this triple I, yeah. there's air quotes going around that, um, but just in a general sense of, like, so, you know, I thought about, like, certain segments of people know who I am. You're right. People who listen to this podcast. Like, we have been approached by people, and it's amazing and awesome and weird and cool. Mm-hmm. People are like, hey, I recognize your voice from the podcast. Weird I'm voice. like, it's weird that's face to it. yeah, cool. Yeah. I like that. You know, it's awesome. Um, but there's a whole segment that don't know, doesn't know who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when I get in, in sort of embedded in all the people that do know I, who I am, I forget. There's this whole, I'm not as big as I maybe think I am. Right. Um, you know, and I've, I've done the Slack channel and a lot of people know from that. But a lot of people have no idea what that is. Yeah. Um, it's still a big world. We're, yeah, it's a weird niche. It's still in. It's a niche community, but it's growing so fast. Yeah, and I well. I want to be doing talks, and I've gotten rejected from a lot of the big stuff. Hmm. And there's kind of like, well, maybe I'm just not good at presenting talks. Right. I just might not be good at writing those things up. Right. Totally like valid. Like maybe that's why I'm getting rejected. I'm not good at that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see a lot of the people, same people, talk at a lot of these talks, and they've gotten into that sort of circuit. Of talking, and I feel like that's like something I want to be a part of, but I'm not yet. Mm-hmm. And it just like, well, they've gotten into it, and they do it all the time, and like, you know, I sort of want to see fresh voices in that, right? But is that also like that I want to see myself in that? Then you know, feeling that I'm not part of that, um, and. 
I feel like I see a lot of people who are doing a lot of talks, and I feel like, hey, they've been doing this the same amount of time I have. Right. Why am I not doing all the talking stuff that they do? Yeah. And um, I feel, I started to think about that a lot, and I yeah. feel like I didn't push myself to do talks till maybe much later than a lot of other people have. I yeah. feel like my entire career, while I've been doing this a really long time, I've kind of been slow. Yeah. I've sort of, like, been at a slower pace at it all than a lot of other people. Like, I know people who, like, started doing game audio and immediately started being like, I'm going to do talks, and started, like, yabbering and, and... Well, it's a way... It is a way to promote yourself. Yeah. Um, and I w- I've and never been I feel been like I've been on that. a couple, like, panel set where that was kind of the thing, and, mm-hmm. I, and I've decided I think I'm not, like, super comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, because it's a good way to get called out on not knowing things yeah. as well, you know? So so I'm I'm probably going to hang back for a while still. Um, like, that was a thing, like, I so guess... No, I'm not... T- I'm, like, my, my teeth aren't in the technology anymore either, so... Right. I'm kind of... I, su- I still bi- think there's a lot businessy of... I'm now. <laughs> um, I still think there's a lot of room for, like, soft talks. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and I would, like, personally like to see more talks that are more soft areas and over all areas mm-hmm. and less focused on, like, this is what I learned from game X. Yes. You know, this is my postmortem. Postmortems are great, but yeah. I'd like to see more broad talks in a lot of lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I did feel like I've started late to all that stuff. And part of that was I didn't start really sort of considering doing talks until I felt really comfortable that I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. And other people, like you're saying, are just willing to jump in feet first. Yeah. And, and I was and like... figure out as you go along. Yeah. 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 And I was like, I, w- I wanted to be way more confident before I even, like, dipped my toe in those waters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, being an indie is definitely means, I'm, I feel like, means that I'm less known than a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a matter of the industry. That's it'll be. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um... So, like, coming away from all of that, like, to me, I thought GameSoundCon was a really great conference because it made me do these sort of self-introspective questioning of, like, where I'm at, what do I want to be doing, where do I want to be going, Mm -hmm. how do I get to where I want to be going, is this what I really want to do, and what should I change to get there? Yeah. Like, it brought up all those questions, which to me is, like, a a good con either, you know, makes you do that or gives you concrete things to walk away with. So I was like, okay, I didn't get the concrete stuff because I saw a bunch of stuff I already knew, Mm -hmm. but I totally did think a lot about myself and the industry and myself and the industry, and so it was was good that way. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so I've been thinking still about what what is it, what is it I want to be doing and what am I actually doing to get there? Yeah, right. Like maybe I'm like, like why do you do this thing? And I'm not actually doing a lot to change that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, maybe like if I want to do talks, I've maybe got to do, got to do some changes on that front. Yeah. Which is cool. That's fine. Yeah. I submitted talks and I really felt like I didn't have a lot to talk about. I just wanted right. to talk. I submitted. That's or the, I, I I had things because I wanted to do a talk on VR audio. Yeah. But all the stuff that I had on my mind a year ago. Yeah. That was revolutionary. Every, it's kind of known now. Right. You know? It's yeah, like yeah. everybody, and I. it's not like it came from me. Everybody came to the same conclusions. Yeah, yeah. Once they you, got, were, you were once part they of that revolution, but you weren't. I was part of it, but I wasn't, yelling I wasn't about leading it. it any more than anyone else. Yeah. I was yelling about it more than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's definitely just, it's not news anymore, yeah. I think, so I'm kind of glad I didn't get accepted because I feel like it would have <laughs> been a lot of everybody, uh, we already know this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so GameSong Con, and I went to Steam Dev Days. Yeah. Um, what did you learn at Steam Dev Days? Uh, it was much more just business stuff. There was yep. very, very few audio people there. Um, it was nice because it was kind of like GDC, but a, almost a step up. Like, yeah. GDC is, yes, everybody's a game developer, but a lot of people are aspiring game developers or working on their first game. Steam Dev Days is generally populated with people that have shipped a couple titles before. Yeah. So it was, you just, you, the, so the conversations were all great. Yeah. Because you could come away with something of experience from people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it was a, a lot of discussion on sort of the state of the industry, which we're going to get into a bit yeah. uh, in, a, in a little bit. Um, the talks, and just this is going back to talks, and I think if people are thinking about getting into talks, they were kind of meh. Yeah. And I thought, so, and the, I think this will be a good seg- segue into our next topic as well. <laughs> um, so I've been feeling kind of disillusioned by a lot of talks yeah. lately because I didn't see any good ones any that blew my mind, you know, uh-huh. at the at last GDC, yeah. and, a, and a couple that were really disappointing. Yeah, um, uh, I missed Martin Stig Anderson's though. That was so amazing. So I missed I missed the best talk. Probably uh, that was probably the best talk. Yeah. And then when Steam Dev Days happened, and those talks were all like, kind of I, like I already know this, and yeah. that wasn't even sound stuff. Right, right. That was just it was just like ways to market your game and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the main takeaway was that regularly updating your game can be valuable, and I mean Clay's known that for years. Yeah, uh, but it did reinforce it. That seemed to be the way to go right now. Yeah. So mainly Steam Dev Days was getting to hang out with lots of developers in Seattle, not during PAX. So it wasn't right. like packed. Yeah, you know, it wasn't insane. So can't talk just not disillusioned with like everything but just mm-hmm. talks in general I was like maybe I'm just not into that much that much into talks anymore yeah and then we had full indie in full Vancouver indie, full indie summit the, the full like, indie summit yeah yeah the like we've got the full indie meetup group which happens once a month which is amazing and it's been mm-hmm. going for 6 years I think now mm-hmm. um and 4 years ago this is the fourth one this is the fourth one this yeah. is the fourth one they started doing a, a summit day, a conference, a mini yeah. one-day conference. Well, one one year it was two days, mm-hmm. so this year it was one full day. I don't even remember how many talks there were. There was half-hour talks. Like I think two, there were five. eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. It was great. It was amazing. They were so good. Yeah. So, And they weren't sound... T- I missed Kevin's... There was one sound talk. There was one. Kevin it from was the Power first Up one. did it. So um, I, I which he the did last a, ten minutes. He did a really good... He had a really good idea. And I'm not just saying that because it was I, my idea. I was okay. It was it was your <laughs> idea that you gave to Kevin, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I wouldn't have been able to do it though. Right. So it worked out perfectly. Yeah. I would have I would have completely just I would have ruined it. So I'm not saying it was a good idea because I was included in it. Yeah, but I was included in it. He talked to a whole bunch of audio people and asked them uh, what how did they meaningfully impact the design of a game with audio. Mm-hmm. And then he got a little quote from all, all of us, and then oh, yeah, had no, us. That was my idea. The, his idea was to ask a bunch of people. Yeah, and then he I recorded design, it all. Design influence was a, would be a good topic. Yeah, and then he got everybody to record what they said. Yeah, and he just played all the clips. Yeah, it was awesome. He played like you know gameplay videos and stuff of the game everyone was talking about while it was playing, mm-hmm. and so he just got over there and said, "This person, this person's amazing. They did this super awesome stuff. Listen to what they have to say." Yeah. Um, it was great. So he like packed in a whole bunch of really good information about how audio can meaningfully impact the design of a game. Yeah. Beyond just being cool audio and yeah, being well, immersive, that's like what just keeps us psyched too, right? Yeah. Is is actually influencing. Yeah, the and I think and it was really great because it's indie. a it's a mixed crowd. It wasn't just an audio crowd. Yeah. Um. So it was a great talk to show people that maybe aren't thinking about audio audio as heavily as we ever do, mm-hmm. what the possibilities are. Like, and I overheard people saying that that was their favorite talk right. as well. well and it cool. was the audio talk, so that's pretty yeah. nice. Yeah. So that was the first talk. It started off on a high high point. Yeah. For sure. And there was like, from there, that was the only audio talk, but then it was like, there was design talks and kind of like more technical talks. and A talk on just how to get better at stuff. Yeah. Like how to practice effectively. Yeah. Which they had been doing to just like, Get make better puzzles in their game faster right. yeah. by deconstructing other good puzzles in other games. Yeah, um, there was a good talk on alt games that I found yeah, actually that was really interesting. interesting just because it's uh, an area I'm not really that exposed to, and it's like there's really cool stuff going on there. Yeah. Like I want to get involved in that, and mm-hmm. you know, brought up thoughts of like how do I, how do I as a tactfully. A, yeah, respectfully and tactfully become involved in this, like to what I see it as an art scene mm-hmm. that is uh, queer and and marginalized groups mm-hmm. as a 
middle-aged white cis male, (laughs) completely unmarginalized person. How do I respectfully engage in this community? Yeah, just because I think they're doing really cool stuff and. Mm You know, so that was the, like, so yeah, it went from, like, super, and then there was, like, this super technical talk about this 4D game. Oh, my God, that was a brain melter. And and by 4D, I, I originally thought 4D and went, well, the fourth dimension is time. No. But it's not. It's, it's fourth physical dimension. Adding a fourth physical dimension, and then my brain melted. Yeah. And he was going through the math and, like, how the how, how you render it and, like, work. represent it. It was, like, crazy and deep. It went pretty deep. Yeah. Um... One of the things I really liked about Fellini Summit is they were half-hour talks. Yeah, they motored. So, you like, never got I really bored. like, I think that's um, one of the burnout things about talks. Yeah. Is our talks, like 40-minute talks, is kind of too much. Yeah. Versus a half-hour, 20-minute talk probably started out as a 45-minute a presentation and then had to be they whittled did. down. I think we used to have super short, really short ones and 45-minute ones yeah. at Full Indie. But I think, like, but just half hour ge- is great. Yeah, I think in general, most people sort of think of having a 45-minute talk plus mm-hmm. questions, right? Yeah. And then you tell them, like, no, you have to do it in 20 minutes. They just, they whittle their thing down to, like, the best core ideas. Totally. Yeah. So, like, it's great. I think Shouldn't I be think, any padding. Yeah. Yeah. You eliminate all the fluff. You mm-hmm. get to the good mm-hmm. stuff. So, I'm totally, I'm totally into... 20-minute talks. Yeah. I think if I'm submitting talks to anything, it's just going to be short ones. I don't want to do long talks. Yeah. Like, so, so yeah, that was all the conferences that, yeah, we've that, been to lately. <laughs> that, that brought me right back on top again. I was very, yeah, very excited, and I, that got some some creative juices flowing, and I was yeah, which is interesting. And getting ideas that weren't even necessarily, I think that's something to take away, too, is you go to talks, you don't necessarily have to be coming away with Ideas that are even related to those talks, necessarily. Yeah. But it yeah. just, if, if it just gets a ball rolling, then that's, that's great. Then I get out of it what I wanted. Totally. Yeah. Um, my kind of point related to that was uh, the talks don't have to be related to, directly to what you do. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right, like, you know, Kevin's talk was amazing, and it's not a talk, and I loved mm-hmm. it. But I probably got the, more out of talks that ha- I kind of aren't in my area. Totally. You know, just because you you see stuff, and then you see how that applies to what you actually do. So, um, so if you're going to conferences, don't just go to all the audio talks. Find yeah. some like design talks. Somebody pick up a design pass for GDC instead of the <laughs> audio track, and just see what happens. Oh, that would be super Man, great. I should trade mine in. Shoot, I already bought it. <laughs> so, I asked you if you wanted to talk about this, and I feel it's a touchy touchy subject. Well, I think it's important. It's important. It's be, a personal question. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this is, but it's like I, I wanted. Don't know to, if I have a clear answer for it. <laughs> no, I, I didn't expect. It, but I like. I wanted yeah. to ask you about this because I was like, oh, I kind of feel. I kind of feel bad asking about this, but I think people want to know. Mm-hmm. So um, you said you've had three games launch in the last since couple of May. months. It would be four or five. Like it depends on what our. What our stakes in the games are, but right. like we've but so you've you've had a, a few games launch really recently, yes, in the last little while mm-hmm. through good games, yep, good teams, good people, great reviews, and the games tanked, yeah, or they mm-hmm. have undersold current yeah. expectations, and hopefully everything picks up, right? You know, yeah, you have to stay optimistic. So but this was something that came up. My my question was like, yeah. yeah, what do you what do you do when completely out of your control, a game underperforms? Um, well, for me, it's I I have to keep in mind that this is not hitting me nearly as hard as it's hitting my developers. Right. So so the main thing that's that like worries me is like, are my devs okay? Yeah. Um, and that's not always the case, but everybody seems to be coping. Yeah, you know, but uh, it's it's something that came up a lot at Dev Days is yep. that it's not the industry is not the same as it was even three years ago. Right. You know, if basically any of these games that I launched that didn't do well, yeah, if they launched when when they started working on them, 
right. at the quality that they're at now, yeah, which yeah. is impossible. You'd need a time machine. But <laughs> if they did, they would have been surefire successes, like yeah. 100,000 sales. Yeah. And now we're looking at like not even 10% of that. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty nuts because when people started working on these games, they surveyed the industry. They, they said, they said this, is the, this is what we can expect. Yeah. This is what, and that's what they kind of budgeted for. Yeah. And then it didn't happen. And then it's like, it's very, very distressing. Yeah. So as freelancers and people, it's like my eggs aren't all in one basket. Mm-hmm. Like my company's going to be fine. Yeah. But some of these other companies might not be fine. And I'm trying to sort of think of ways that I can help mitigate that, but I don't really think there are any. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just kind of, it's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bummer. But, like, my, I'm not a throw your hands up in the air and give up type mm-hmm. person. I'm always trying to, A, think of ways that we can help support yeah. developers in the future that are doing good things. Um, and, but also keep my own business afloat. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to, trying to see, like, what's coming. And we're, we have to be more discerning about titles that we pick up. Would would this make you take less back end deals? Yes, and more upfront. Uh, we aim for now like a monthly like sort of retainer. Yeah, and then a more mediated like a smaller back end. Yeah, and people seem to be really happy with that. Yeah, because then they don't feel like I think I think some developers they feel stressed out. Yeah, asking people for work for no money upfront. Mm-hmm. So, but it's all like. So I now have like a list of payment schemes, right? That I throw at developers. Here's, here's your options as Here a developer. Here are your options because everybody's different. Yeah, and it's either it's like all up front, which I don't like. Yeah, um, because it's you're counting hours and it's limiting, and yeah, um, you often then often you're not implementing either, mm-hmm. and that would be asset based. And then there there are games that have like bigger budgets. Yeah, that might be able to just pay you hourly. And then that's fine. Then you can do as good of a job as you want. Yeah. Um, or just work until they say stop, basically. <laughs> yeah. But then the ones that I find more people are being are attracted to these days are sort of a little bit upfront and then a little bit of rev share. Yeah. Um, as well. And or and you can if it's and that's so so that's for people that have budgets mm-hmm. are probably experienced. Yeah. Um, you know they're gonna ship. And then there's the the full rev share. Let's like let's just do it. Yeah, um, people, where it's just they're new. They have a great game, great game, a great idea, and you feel like taking a chance on them. Yeah, um, and they've got no budget, but no budget because usually if they have a budget, they're not going to be willing to do that. Yeah, um, if they are, then and you have tons of faith in the game. Yeah, then that's fine. But the main thing that's happened to me this year is that my faith is shaken. Right, basically, and it's and it's happening to everybody. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like oh, oh no. Like there are still games selling really well, but the mm-hmm. the pool is much bigger. Yeah. Um. And and what is it? The, like? the like way more effort has to be put into marketing now. Yeah. Like uh, it's it, the time of a good game sells itself is like f- gone yes. far away. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of good games now that didn't sell themselves. Yeah. Whereas three years ago, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to really name a game that was like, you know. 85 Metacritic score that sold under 10,000 copies. You yeah. Know? Um, or under 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. The, so times, was, the times have changed. Yeah. Um, I guess that sort of, to me, kind of what I'm taking out of what you're saying is like, one of the biggest is no matter how hard you're hit, mm-hmm. the devs are hit harder than you. Absolutely. Like, they guaranteed. Were, like, you know, so think about that. Jesse said, like, some of us have made a basket out of eggs and then put eggs in the basket. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's scary. Yeah. Um, um, so. But the other thing I kind of think is that it's in your benefit, if you've got any sort of back-end deal, mm-hmm. um, to be actively involved in promotion and doing whatever you can. Absolutely. To yeah. help, you know, spread the word of a game. Yeah. Once, once you're launching and before you're launching and like... Yeah, that's so, why we go like... we. I, Go to packs and stuff. It's yeah. to man booths. Yeah, and help help sell the game. So hopefully, so I guess I mean that's something too that I think if if you're a freelancer and you're approaching people and you're you're getting your gigs and whatever to be very upfront about like this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm in this with you and I'm going to be there pushing it and I'm going to help promote it and like 
use me as part of your marketing. Exactly, we're part of the like you know we're part of the team now. Don't we don't get out consider of this, me of just we get like, out what we put in. Yeah, basically. So, so put it in. Yeah. <laughs> so make an effort. Do this. Do the thing. And then uh, if. And you have to have contingencies. So now, if everything shits the bed, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's out of our hands. Yeah, and I just, I wish, well, I hope there is going to be a way for developers to not be, not be putting everything in one basket as well, which is it's hard to do because yeah. making good games takes all of your effort. Yeah, a lot of the time, especially if you're starting out. Like the whole, that's the same as a sound designer. If you're you're starting out and freelancing everything, it's like. Mm-hmm. You kind of there's some things you kind of got to take some chances on, yeah, and hope they pan out, yeah, because you got to somehow build up that money, credibility, mm-hmm. all of those things, so that then you can move on. To yeah, it. and that might require like debt, yeah, basically. But so now that things are rolling, like we've tried to put it together like a contingency, yeah, so that everybody can get paid for you know several months in case everything goes wrong, yeah, to like pull the pieces back together, yeah, and. That's, I think, a luxury we have. But I also think that's, like, I feel like a pretty responsible employer that way. <laughs> yeah. Because I know a lot of big developers, we've had a few, like, just go down in town. Yeah. It was because they ran out of money to pay their people. Yeah. Because they... That seemed like when all of a sudden... Yeah. It was just like... All of a sudden, eesh, we haven't gone. sold what anything ha- in What happened? Time. Yeah, we spent all the money. Yeah. So, don't spend all the money. <laughs> <laughs> don't spend- and basically, so we like we're trying to put together sort of a diet, yeah, of making sure we make enough money every month so that people get paid, yeah. And then if we have revenue share projects as well, then mm-hmm. hopefully that's just gravy, yeah. And if they don't pan out, which is very obviously a realistic possibility, yeah, um, now and but we're going to keep our eyes open for like. Trends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my job now. <laughs> they don't design sounds anymore, Matt. <laughs> Business. Uh, uh, so we just have to keep our ears to the ground. And yeah, but like being running a business and being a France, freelancer is a risk. Yeah. And if you're not willing to take risks, then it's like go work at a bank. Yeah. Um, kind of relates back to or makes me think about. Um, Ryan Clark did a talk at Full Indie Summit about yes. about analyzing the trends on Steam. Yeah, and like he's an expert at it. Yeah, he he does a great um, Twitch stream every week about it. Um, but like he takes all that in consideration whenever he does a game, mm-hmm. and it's like some people might be like, "Oh, that's selling out," or you know, yeah. like not pure and like whatever. I like to pay my rent. Yeah, Ryan's got kids. It's you like, know. Okay. So he still he makes cares. games that he loves making. Yes. But he's also sure that there's a market for them to sell into at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. you got to um, check it. So it's good to like follow along with the trends and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not on the same level that Ryan is, but if you're familiar with kind of like what's trending on Steam, yeah. and then you're like, hey, somebody approaches you like, hey, I want to do Game X, and you're like, uh... Game X is tanking. Like yeah. that is not selling. That genre is selling, and maybe I don't want to take trending, a red shirt. You also have to be like, how soon is this going to yeah, be done? Totally, because we were a couple of our games were doing great when we started. Yeah, and then they fell out of favor and so, before the game was finished. So, so you gotta you gotta see what the trends are and see if you can think about where those trends might go. Yeah. And be like, oh, maybe this is a good uh, good idea for a rev share, or maybe this is like I totally will still want to do this game, but rev share maybe is not so great an idea. Yeah, I'm gonna go. And for I mean, a- if there's already a little bit of like, I feel like developers need to start doing what Ryan suggests. Yeah, and like throwing some chum in the water. Yeah, to see if any sharks show up. Like seeing like you want it's a Clark Tank. That was <laughs> accidental. But it, Ryan's Ryan's Twitch channel is called the Clark Tank. Yeah. Anyway, so, but, like, I think keeping an eye out for early adoption, just, like, people, it just having that unnameable attraction, the, like, yeah. je ne sais pas. Yeah. No, the je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> the je ne sais quoi. The, I, the, I don't know. That makes games, that makes people like stuff. Yeah. Which I've, I've just been calling, like, you have to, just, like, catch the wave of the zeitgeist. Nobody really knows how to do that. No. 
But if you can recognize it just a little bit earlier than other yeah. people, then... Yeah, if you can get informed and try to recognize as early as you can. Yeah. Not to say that we any of us can, but no, it's the more informed still you a are... Crap shoot. It's still just going to be a crapshoot. Yeah, the more it's informed you are. It's as big of a crapshoot as letting Windows 10 update. No! Shots fired. <laughs> so... <laughs> From nerdiest shot fire. Ever. No insulting to just Windows bashing all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got some questions. All right, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's a all solid. Was that a downer? Maybe it was upsers and downers. Uppers and downers. Uh, you're not making any money. I don't know where I'm going in life. We're doing okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where we're at. We're doing fine. I'm fine. We're making our own middleware tool. That's kind of crazy. Exciting. That's cool. No, it's not. We're not giving it to anybody. Yeah. So don't get excited. Um, it's like a Unity plugin. Yeah. We're just. I hired Chris uh, Tamek. Joel in Toronto has the same deal. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, Joel does a uh, uh, a lot of um, mobile and yeah. small stuff. Yeah. So he got sick and tired of everyone going. Eh, no middleware. No middleware. So he, I think he hired a programmer. Yeah. Or made it himself. I can't remember for sure, but he made his own little middleware thing. Yeah. I can't remember if it's a Unity plugin or a standalone, but he's basically like, you hire me, you get an audio engine. Yeah. And it's like, it's like it's That's great. That's what ours is too. Oh, That's wait, awesome. I didn't know Joel was doing it. I thought it was so novel. Um... Yeah, we hired Chris, and that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. He's, I'm, I'm just like, Chris, just, uh... I don't want to use middleware anymore. Yeah. Which is like, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> But I've, but you're had not... a lot of, I've had a lot of integration issues. Like That's what I worked on all day today, yeah. was sorting out integration problems. It's, it's not that you're not using middleware. Like you said, you're We're just making middleware. your own. We're making our own. Yeah. You know, it's proprietary middleware. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Which is cool, I think, as a company to just be like, here's my tool. I, the, my, the tool comes with me. Exactly. And my team and me know the tool inside and out. And we can fix it right now. Yeah. It's like... I had to wait for uh, DLLs to get emailed to me today. You know, yeah. I just like I don't like waiting for things. Um, yeah. When with especially if it's like bottlenecking a project. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been great. It's running in two games right now. We're already using it. Cool. That's cool. All right. Anyways, questions. Questions. I'm gonna just track backtracking to make sure I get all of them because I like did it yesterday, which is you know. Surprising. <laughs> I'm usually like, oh crap, I'm recording in two hours. I need some questions. Questions now. <laughs> uh, from Alex Barnhart. Uh, when making sounds for a game, do you tend to design a whole ton and implement in batches or implement as you go? Like asset to asset as you go? No. Well, the question is, with making sounds for a game, do you tend to design a whole ton and implement in batches or implement as you go? I implement in batches. Yeah. And sometimes those batches are small and sometimes they're gigantic. I depends. Yeah. I'm a pretty like sometimes I do that. Um I tend to to like to implement when I'm design what I'm designing, which mm -hmm. may be a big or small batch of stuff. Right. Like that's kind of like the sometimes I'm like I'm making impacts. All right, I'm going to make all my impacts for all my surfaces mm -hmm. in a giant batch. Right. Or I might be like I'm making one creature right now, mm -hmm. and I'll make one creature. And I kind of like whenever I'm done designing, I like to implement it because I'll forget. Right. <laughs> I'll lose track of like what I've done, so I kind of take it, put it in the game. Yes. <laughs> um, so it depends on like I guess it's as I go. But sometimes as I go is a bigger batch or a smaller batch. Yeah, right. So that's sort of like, it depends on what I'm designing. Yeah. Early on in a game, I'm designing bigger systems, in which case I'll design a lot of stuff at once. Mm -hmm. Like all my impacts or all my combat sounds or yeah. like a bunch of ambiences at once. So then I'll be doing bigger batches of implementation. And if you, if you know how things are going to be implemented, that can yeah. streamline your workflow. Yeah. Because you can be like, okay, I'm going to do all the ambiences and all the spec ambiences. And yeah. then you can make the events and just like copy-paste, 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 replace yeah. all the files. Or if you're like smart, you could probably come up with some kind of streamlined, yeah. coded, scripted system where you just chuck um, stuff in and it does it on its own. And in a lot of cases too, if I'm doing like early access update games, 
I have to do it in small little as I go because that's like each week we're putting just a couple of things into the game. So it's like, yeah. well, I've got one creature that goes in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll just throw that in. So so early access is more implement as I go and beginning of projects is more batches. Batch work. But it's always related to what I've got designed because mm-hmm. I don't want to forget to put it in the game. Yeah. And I mean, right now, we have Chris doing implementation, so it's just like Joey and M making stuff and throwing it at Chris, and it's just kind of a circle. Cool. Yeah, which is nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, Rene asked, we had a question from Rene, famous from Tonebenders. Tonebenders. Go listen to that oh, podcast. Sweet. Name drop. Oh, I'm nervous. Pick that up. Uh, any new computing hardware that you're interested in for designing sounds come out recently? I haven't been doing anything. <laughs> I've been doing tech support and business uh, stuff. So I don't have an answer no. for that, no. Um, I think the closest thing I've got right now is the Waves NX head tracker. Oh, right, yeah. Which I got, interesting. which is interesting um, because I work on headphones yeah. so much. Having some sort of representation of the real world. So it's interesting. I think um, so far... Um, my little playing around with it is it's not very useful for designing sounds. Right. But it's good for mixing. Okay. Like, I, it, I think it's going to be great for mixing trailers and stuff to give me, like, I need to quickly slam out a trailer, and I want to get a sense of what it's like on speakers, even though I can't. So what is, exactly does it do? It puts virtual speakers in the space? Yeah. And they stay there? They stay there, and the head track has got this little Bluetooth device that you attach to the top of your headphones. Yeah. And you measure your head. Crazy. So that it, it you tell it two measurements of your head, and then, so it's c- customizing the HRTF based on that. So it's not a fully custom one, but it's like taking into the account your head size. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's and then cool. your head, and, and, and you move, as you move around, mm-hmm. the speakers stay in the same spot. Cool. So, so it's, neat. yeah, it's cool. So I think for like quick checks for like, I'm putting out a trailer, I don't have time to go do it on speakers. I'm still just going to mix it at my desk. I can like mm-hmm. turn that on, go, yeah, okay, it's, you know, get a sense of things. Right. Um, and yesterday, somebody in the Slack channel talked about actually using the NX plugin just as a binaural encoder. That's what I was thinking. Like, you could place things. Because you're meant to use it just could as you a monitoring. It? Could you re-record out of it? Well, you can bounce through it. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. If you turned off the head tracking part, so mm-hmm. they, or you kept your head in the one spot, Yeah. Um, you could sort of get a HRTF sort of applied cool to stuff. So that was I hadn't I hadn't thought about that at mm-hmm. all of like, oh, just use it as a processor. Yeah, right. That's kind of a sweet a neat thing. Cool. Um more of a question for you okay. from Rob. Uh when deving for VR, have you found good ways to guide the player with sound? Uh yeah. So it's not a whole lot different than, as far as like getting people's attention. Yeah. It's not a whole lot different than doing it in a traditional game. Mm-hmm. Um, like in a traditional game, we'd make the stingers stereo. Yeah. They wouldn't be in the world, you know. If we need, if we need some kind of HUD uh, notice, mm-hmm. we'll do like maybe maybe like a mix of a three D emitter, but also a stereo element. Yeah. So that because in VR the like. If it's some text that pops up, like in, in Contraption, we have text that pops up. Yeah. And I think we're using either just straight up stereo mm-hmm. so that at least it alerts you to look around. Yeah. Um, but it would also be smart to do stereo and a 3D emitter on the text. Yeah. To um, put people there. But also, if you're like just guiding the player, like, depends on what you're guiding them to do. Do you want yeah. them to look somewhere? Do you want them to go somewhere? Yeah. Um, do you want them to be afraid of something? So, I I don't think it's terribly different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually just last night uh, down in Seattle uh, for their audio game audio meetup. Oh, sweet. Um, and I was at Microsoft, and they're showing off Hololens, mm. and they had some interesting stuff in the, in the talks they gave mm-hmm. actually about that. Mm-hmm. And they said that real world sounds spatialize better than synthesized sounds. Okay. 
So if you want to call attention to a very specific spot in space, use a fake. Sound. You will have a way easier sound time with a complex, and that was part of it. It was not only that it was a real sound, but that it's a, like complex, harmonically rich content hmm. is easier than like a synth tone. To draw attention to, to, or to not to be localize. Oh, to localize. So oh, okay. if you want to draw somebody's attention to a particular spot, right? Real sounds are way easier than like okay. some sort of HUD tone. Okay, we use like ninety five percent that anyways for our HUD. So. <laughs> so that's and and so it was just an interesting thing of like maybe you want to change some of that stuff if mm-hmm. if it's about drawing attention to a spot. Like it's like I I want your attention over here to the right at this thing. Right. Um, and their other big thing, one of their big things was uh, no invisible emitters. Like yeah, especially because with Hololens you can move all around. Right. And they said when you can move around and the person can come over to the spot where the sound is coming from and there's nothing there, it weirds people out. Yeah. It's like or this, just a noise. Thing. It creeps yeah. them out. Like oh. <laughs> like they don't like sounds that come from nowhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, that's that's my insight. Um, all right, way to go! Thanks, Rob. Uh, all right, John, John Bash, John Bash. Get ready, January, yep. Audio Bash three point zero. Audio 3.0. Bash in January in Bellingham. Audio Bash three point zero. Sweet. Stay tuned. Um, we need speakers. Yeah, you do. Yeah. If you're from Seattle or Vancouver, hit us up. Or Oregon, even. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see some people come up from Oregon. Yeah. Um, all right, John asked, can you maybe talk about designing slash implementing of musical sounds, pitched, rhythmic, etc., um, especially when there's a soundtrack, as in making musical sounding sound effects gel nicely with in-game score? An open-ended question, but shrug uh, emoticon. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but yeah. Guy Whitmore is your guy. Yeah. Guy's your guy. Yeah. Go find all of Guy Whitmore's talks on Peggle 2's music implementation. Because they D- were done. That's, that's all you need. Yeah. So I can, I'll run, I'll, what I remember very quickly. So Guy basically had composers composed to a template mm-hmm. um, that was like A, B, C, D, E or something. And uh, those had to be, like, they didn't. I don't think they were restricted key-wise necessarily. Yeah. Like like you had to you had to have the same structures, but it did have to be labeled. So yeah. song would go into section B, B would be in whatever key, mm-hmm. and then you'd have an entire container of like all the sound effects assets yeah, yeah, yeah. that are musical that were that in that switches key switches as well. Yeah. So you have to so you just have to change your change the bucket of sound effects you're pulling in um, when the song changes key. I think I think that's to me the biggest thing. Like you can go all that way, or maybe you don't go quite quite that far. But it's about uh, establishing really good communication with your composer, so that you and the composer are on the same page as far as yeah. like what key and chords and stuff you're using. Just like you need a bunch of communication. Like that's yeah. to me the, the the actually doing it isn't that hard. It's mm-hmm. just you know. Be aware of melodic stuff, yeah, and so fit was, in it. So I think like Peggle had such a robust structure. By the end of it, they yeah. could be like, "Okay, composers, write whatever you want." Yeah, these are our only requests: is that it fits into this structure. Yeah, and it has like this arc. Yeah, you know, and then they could just slot it in, and it would just work. Basically, that's probably not the case, but it seemed to be robust enough that that yeah. was almost the case. Um, and kind of once, I'm just thinking um, about it, like once you've sort of got that melodic tie-ins done, mm-hmm. like assuming you've got that, your all your stuff is in the same key that your music is in, yeah. and if it needs to switch, it has a way to switch and all that cool stuff, um, then it might be a bit of just mastering your music to leave room for the sound effects that are going to be playing so that you give, you know, breathing room so that nothing yeah. stomps on anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, and just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't done anything that heavy. We're using some either. musical sound effects in Wander Song. Yeah. Um, but we're just kind of like, just like stick to the key of the song. We're not yeah. changing within the song. Yeah. So it's like, it's pretty simple. 
We've got some, um, in Oxygen Not Included, we've got some sort of rhythm-based stuff. Oh, that's cool. Going on. So we've got um, all the animators animating to one tempo and all the music is in one tempo. Mm-hmm. So that that way, the sound effects that are produced by the machines that are animating kind of fall into the same rhythmic tempo that the songs cool. are in. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, the animation is at 120 and then there's a song at 78, mm-hmm. which is just going to get weird. So it's like, yeah. the so- all the song tempos have to be divisible by the same right. 120. Um, so we're going to play around. We were talking about, me and Vince were talking about last night of like, Maybe we're going to see if 90 works. Like, we know 120 is the exact same. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you put a, a song that's 90 against the machines that are working at 120? Yeah, right. Does that still work? Start getting some you know? triplets and stuff. And what happens when you start uh, making the music in different uh, key signatures? Like, so it's all still the same tempo, but if it's in 5-4, does it feel... Like, what happens to the feel of it? Does it feel faster mm-hmm. or slower mm-hmm. when you start, like... Kind of like messing, yeah, that'll be fun with that stuff. So it's a, yeah, we're we're still exploring that area of like when we tie stuff together rhythmically. Mm-hmm. What where does it go and what can we do with it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, fun stuff. That's cool. Um, Alex Alex Thomas uh, said, uh, "What are some clever ways to reuse sound sources in middleware to help reduce memory load? For example, using dirt and rock footstep sounds to make a dirty rock surface." I think you kind of answered your own question right there. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I'm not sure if that releases, uh, that releases reduces storage size load. It can, depending on how you're. So I'm not sure if it means, means like memory load is in yeah. like runtime or storage. Yeah, because that because technically, if you're using more voices, you're going to be using more memory. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the thing we've been running into a lot. Yeah. Um, so, if you want to, so if you want to use less storage space, then yes, start stacking things up and using yeah. them a lot. I think for it's your combinations. I think you're, if you want to, if you want to use less CPU, yeah, or RAM memory, yeah, then you actually probably want to start using more assets and baking baking less layers, yeah, yeah, fewer layers. Um, I always I always air to the layering as much stuff as I can in that. Maybe two or three layers. Well, like it not, gives you way more um, um, randomization. Well, well, I always find it's not even about the randomization for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of times, uh, especially here at Clay, the like, design can change so rapidly mm-hmm. um, that if we've got like a combat system, I do this a lot with combat systems. So you've you know you've got a hit, you've got a sword hitting a, a armor. So you've got that sword hitting five types of armor. And if you bake that all together, and then you've also got a club hitting five types of armor, and you bake all that together, mm-hmm. and then somebody's like, well, there's a new piece of armor. I'm like, okay, well, that means I need to make a new sword hitting the armor and a new club hitting the armor. Right. Oh, now we made uh, another weapon. And you're like, okay, now i got to make that weapon hitting all of the armors. Yeah, exactly. And it's so, like, all of a sudden, a couple of weapon and armor additions, and you're like, oh, my God, my like, I just have to create 100 assets now. Yeah. So that's that's what we did for Fantastic Contraption, and I was very happy with it. It's just like, very you want to get impacts yeah. that are so they're only one characteristic. It's just like this thing's getting hit by something very nondescript. Yeah. yeah. So that way, when you split into like for combat, the the thing doing the hitting and the thing being hit, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, somebody added a new armor type. Well, I only need to make the sound of that being hit by generic everything. Yeah. And it layers with all the weapons I've already got. Yeah. And somebody's like, oh, we put in this new flail. Oh, cool. I just make a flail generically hitting something. And something. I play it with all my armor sounds and like... It sounds okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, you can make it sound good. You gotta, you gotta massage it and there's like... Um, I've found that one of the big tricks is to get all your transients lined up really well. Yeah. So that the both the hits, the generic material hit and the weapon hit are like if the transients are right on top of each other it sells it as being the same sound yeah so you know there's little tricks like that but it's it can be a, a lifesaver when somebody at the last second has designed a bunch of new weapons and they throw them in and you're yeah, like yeah totally so it's less about a, a memory saving but it's like a creation mm-hmm. time saving thing I learned that from doing the Marvel fighting game Oh. From Gordon Dirty, he he kind of taught me that one. Cool. 
Because that was, there were so many combinations that they literally could not create all the assets that went with everybody hitting everybody. Right. So, and they kept adding stuff. So we were just like, we have to have this modular system. Yeah, totally. You know, there just was just ridiculous amount of like, well, Wolverine's claws can hit everybody. And also everybody can punch everybody. And there's the thing. And there's Colossus. And mm-hmm. you're like, ah. So, Yeah. That kind of answers that. Yeah. <laughs> Tangent. Um, Cody Flick, uh, what do you use? Trackball, traditional mouse, thumb trackball, tablet, brainwaves? Uh, I use a MMORPG mouse. Yeah, I love with all it. Your, I think more people should do it. With all your buttons. With uh, all my buttons. So I barely have to touch the right-hand side of the keyboard. Yeah. Uh, it's acting up right now, though, which is a pain. But, um, but so you, you can assign... 12, 24 macros to this mouse if you want. Yeah. Basically. And it's it's nice. Um, I I currently use a Razer gaming mouse. It's got mm-hmm. a couple extra buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I like is it's got uh, a horizontal scroll wheel. Yeah. That you can get engaged um, well with some stuff, which works nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking of moving back to a trackball. Yeah. Um, just for real estate on my desk. You can macro the hell out of those, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've also got one of these, uh, I haven't hooked it up yet, but this Logitech, it's like a gaming gamepad keyboard thing. Yeah, that's cool. That is just all buttons that you macro. It's got a little right. thumb joystick, and then it's just basically a hand-sized amount of macro buttons. You can get foot pedal ones. So I'm, I, I want wanna, one of those. I want to set it up with Keyboard Maestro and just go macro crazy with it. Yeah, so just yeah. like, all right, hit all the things. I, I, I want a foot pedal one for recording guitar and stuff. Yeah. So if I can hit record with my foot, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, so whatever comfortable. I've, I've tried a lot of stuff, you know. I like to go back to some things and, you know, use trackballs for a while and then mm-hmm. go back to mice. and So, all over the place. Uh, this is a troll question. Because of a, t- uh, a conversation I had last night down in Seattle. Okay. Uh, Michelle is asking, "Is how important is documentation in your workflow process?" Documentation. It's a troll because I don't document anything. Um, we document up front, and then it all just goes down the tubes. That's as why the game I just, development. just don't even don't. start that. <laughs> so we'll like audit. Yeah. We'll audit, and we'll come up with like a big old list of sounds to start with. But then after that, it's just putting sounds in, especially once, if you have a good workflow, yeah. then it just means the sounds are going in the game. Yeah. And you don't, um, you don't need to check them off the list because they're just there. It's nice to know, it's nice to add them, though, because you can look back on it and make yeah. sure you didn't miss There's, anything. But. Here, here at Clay, I'm incredibly lucky. We work with very little documentation, and mm-hmm. that's just the way we work as a studio, and it works for us, and it does not work for everybody. And it's and part of the reason it works is we're all so close working with each other that we just like tap somebody on the shoulder and go, hey, yeah. what is this? I need to know this. Okay, you know, you get your your answers that way. Like it's just more of a living, breathing, making the game. Yeah, clay and the is like this, are, clay is like one of those islands that's actually a floating root system. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very different, and I think that does no, it's not going to work for everybody. If mm-hmm. you're a freelancer working remotely. You need documentation. Yeah. Like, you you know, um, if you are doing some crazy big speech system, you need documentation. You know, there's lots of areas. I'm very much like, uh, do as I say, don't do as I do, because what I'm doing probably won't work for you. Mm-hmm. Like, keep track of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we and work on a lot say, of long-term like, projects yeah. where it just winds up being the clay thing anyways. Yeah. So. I mean, and I, mean, I make... I toy around with how I document stuff as I go, and it's just like I'll write on post-it notes or I write in a mm-hmm. book, and then I cross stuff off. Like I experiment all. The, there's just no like sort of big tome that needs to be updated mm-hmm. all the time. That's what we really stay away yeah, from. Right, right, it's right, just right. like you know, we start a project and somebody writes a two-page game design doc, and then it gets ignored. Yes. And then a year later, we're making a completely different game. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. Just hire enough smart people. Um. Uh, all right, Danny Hume, got any any more tips for people starting their own game audio community groups for local communities? I mean, uh, consistency is yep. important. We've been kind of dropping the ball on that. So our next one is huge. It's a good one. But so Miguel 
Arayo, who's a friend of mine from South Africa. He's mm-hmm. coming back next week. Um, Super great. He's a film guy, and but he's been very, very, very good for... Uh, he's been great, and because he's a film guy, we've been getting lots of film talks. Film talks. <laughs> so our next talk is Craig Berkey, who's like... Yeah. Huge. Which is super awesome. I'm really excited for that. Uh, I think, like, that consistency. I think that is the biggest thing when you're starting out, Mm -hmm. um, is consistency. But don't do it every week. No, 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 no. Monthly is nice. Yeah. Consistency and don't try to please everybody. Yeah. I I know people who've tried to start communities and they, like, pull everybody they know and, like, when does everybody want to have a meetup? Oh, I want it on Monday. Well, I want it on Tuesday. Well, I can only do Wednesday. And you're like, you're Somebody's never... going to have to miss it. Yeah, you're never going to get everybody to so just pick something. And commit. Commit to it. And if you're consistent, people will be like, oh, I actually, I really want to go to that thing. So I guess I'll, like, I'll change my plan change so my I plans. can come to that. Yeah. And if you're doing it once a month, it's, like, it's not, like, a heavy investment to, yeah. your, to your change so, of schedule. Yeah, so. so before both our lives went crazy, yeah. we were doing... Third Thursday? Yeah. Third Thursday of every month. And that's when things really started to gain momentum. Yeah. And now, we're, but now very... we're organizing bigger talks and and both our lives have been nuts. <laughs> um, um, so, but I, th- I have a feeling we're going to, once easily, Miguel's back, it's going to get back into the swing of it. Yeah. Having that easily identifiable time. Not only consistency, but it was mm-hmm. like, the date is going to change, but it's every third Thursday. Yeah. It's the third Thursday of the month. So it's yeah. just like you kind of could drill it into people. Yeah, right? and that means you can... Oh, the other huge tip is to organize them as... Give people as much time as possible. Yeah. that That is the biggest driving factor to whether we get... People are able to turn out or, or mm-hmm. turn up or not. Yeah. Because there have been a couple where I've just been like, Ugh, it's almost the third Thursday right now. Yeah. It's like four days away. i got to book it, and I didn't book it. Of course no one can make it. Yeah. But if you're able to book two weeks in advance... Yeah. Then you'll get a good turnout. Um... Even when I started taking over the casual meetups mm-hmm. as part of our meetup, I would forget sometimes, and I would always try to push stuff into the next week. Yeah. When I was like, oh, I have to, I have to book something. Should okay, be at I'm least gonna a week buffer. Make at least it a week next buffer. week. I would never. I would try to never make it the week that I was like panicking about planning something. Mm-hmm. So even if it moved, it was like there's some time. Yeah. So, yeah, don't surprise people. Uh, another troll question from Adam. Uh, this came up from the talk last night, and he says, "What does MR stand for?" I don't know. Mixed reality. Oh, <laughs> we or Matt's reality. There is a whole uh, Mixed... probably a whole genre of games being made just for me. Hey, I'm on the team that invented that. <laughs> so that's being thrown into the AR, VR, MR. Right. So it's games that are mixed reality. Yeah. Um, Contraption started that. Yeah. Proud. I'm very proud. Good job. But I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. <laughs> um, Matt Miller wanted to know, uh, I don't know if anyone listening follows me on Twitter, but his question is, how did Matt end up recording the rolling ball sounds he mentioned the other day? I yeah. went on Twitter and said, I gotta do a ball. What do I... Huh? Mm-hmm. Help me. Um, uh, I did some... I kind of feel like I'm still in experimental stage. Mm-hmm. I think I got some good results, but I'm gonna, I have to do some, some more. Mm-hmm. I did some straight. Um, I've got these little Omni, Lavi kind of uh, Omni bikes. They, they're meant for binaurally recording. Are these the ones we're using the right now? The ones we're using right oh, now. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're on a big, long cord. So I like rolled the ball and just like... Followed it. Followed it. Mm-hmm. Did some of that. I kind of got some stuff out of that. I think I think when you do that process, you do have to do a lot of taking it and cutting up into small pieces. And, and putting them all together. Putting them together and crossfading, cross-fading. and just, you know, yep. you got to build up your stuff from a lot of granular little pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've done that with more slides than rolls, but yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah, so so that, was, that worked pretty good. Um, and the other thing... Um, I haven't done much with it yet, but I think sounded really good. Is I've got a a salad bowl that has a nice vertical slot side, mm-hmm. but it transitions from very like bowl to to vert. Right. So I started finding some small balls. I had some small bouncy balls um, and some cat toys. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up taking a, a, a tennis ball and I took a cat toy and wrapped it in yarn, so it was a big soft one. Right. 
and I, I hung, again, again, I hung my, my Omni mic right in the center of it and then spun the bowl so that I got the balls up on the vertical side of the thing just by, like, giving it a right. little shimmy. And since it's Omni, it's picking it up equally on all sides. And it's right in the middle. Right, cool. So that it was, doesn't sound too much just like bowl? No, it sounded more... It was. Pl- it is plastic. Oh, that helps. So okay. um, it does have a bit of that sound, but it was. I was getting more of the surface of whatever I was... Like, when I switched balls, there was mm-hmm. a definite sound difference. Okay. To to them, so that I'm that I think is going to turn out sweet, pretty good. So find yourself a bowl and yeah, if you can find mic. a bowl that was like that and was sort of like the silicone coated yeah dish, that would be the best. That would be nice and muted. I I would like to try and find another bowl because I'm not going to sacrifice your own bowl, my own bowl, but get another bowl of that shape mm-hmm. and then put uh, some carpet yeah in it like put coatings inside it. Yeah, oh, that's a cool idea. You know, sort of like, get some, I could probably get some, like, some thin uh, wood Mm -hmm. and just bend it into there and, like... Yeah, right, right, right. Kind of make the surface I want in that shape. That's cool. That's a cool idea. That's that's my next level idea about that. So, Yeah. Back to the prop roots. Making stuff. Make Just stuff. make stuff. Yeah. When in doubt, make it. Mm-hmm. Um, any announcements? I had something. Meet up next that- week. Uh, I'm not launching any games right now, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I did launch my soundtrack for Viking Squad. Congratulations. Um, so you can check that out. I think, I think it's my best soundtrack Ever. Sweet. I'm very happy with it. Awesome. Um, so that's on Bandcamp. I haven't released it to the iTunes Wild yet. Yeah. But I shall nipit.bandcamp.com. Um, n- not immediate, but January, Audio Bash is coming. Audio Bash 3.0. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in the Pacific Northwest area, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, we are fielding, if you're interested in doing a talk, get in touch. Yep. Um, us or Damien, if you're from the Vancouver area, talk to us. If you're in the Seattle area, talk to Damien. If you're in Bellingham, you talk already to know John. about it. <laughs> <laughs> you probably, you're probably John. <laughs> um, uh, so that's coming up. Um, I'm still kind of circulating the word that CarouselCon is coming. Mm-hmm. Ideas are fermenting, fermenting in my head for that. Great. If you go to GDC... Be on the lookout for CarouselCon. Awesome. Uh, I'll do a talk at CarouselCon. I'll think of something. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's all I got to say. Right. I swear there's a... Oh! I might start a mailing list. Right. I might start a mailing list for the podcast. If you have interest in being on a mailing list for the podcast, let me know. That's about it. Sweet. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.